Hey guys, and welcome back to an episode of the Locker Room Steve Podcast. Uh, we are back after a long hiatus. We are back. Uh, we weren't here for a long time because uh, well, we were all busy with college and uh, yeah. But we are back and we are back here talking about football. Uh, and since it's been a long time, you know, we took a long break and we just wanted to decide to keep this episode about what's been happening with football at the moment. Uh, and, you know, let's start off with the most recent, uh, I guess, the most recent big event that has been going on, uh, the Champions League. Uh, PSG have actually thrashed Barca 4-1 in the first leg. And it's brought up a lot of conversations about Mbappe, Haaland taking over the brains from Messi and Ronaldo. Uh, as I say that, Messi has just scored a goal today or two. Uh, so, but it's a, it's a good place to start, I guess. Uh, Shesh, why don't you... Like, what, what really happened that game? Why did it all just fall apart? And why did Mbappe use Camp Nou as like a public washroom? <laughs> I mean, there, there are no words, uh, honestly. Like, PSG completely outclassed us. Uh, for me, more than uh, Mbappe, and the player I was most impressed was uh, with was Verratti. Like he was absolutely phenomenal that game. I've uh, I've always known he was a good player, but that keep he was absolutely unbelievable. Uh, I actually enjoyed his performance so much, even though I was a Barca fan. But yeah, Mbappe was also on another level. We were supposed to sign Verratti like a few years ago. So. We were supposed to, yeah, we were supposed to. Yeah. I remember Xavi coming out and saying that he's a fantastic player and whatnot. And I know that Dino went through. So yeah. Uh, uh, some another what could have happened, but yeah. Uh, instead, he turned up the new camp in a PSG shirt and this actually shot on everything. Yeah, everything, yeah, yeah. It's okay, but we just two years to go. Another another Euro, European night, another failure for us. And I mean, at this point, I'm just used to it. But so is, is there any, is there any hope going into the second leg that any result, you know, any comeback, any signs? Uh, I mean, I mean. There's no, there's no way because four, four, there are four away goals. So even if there's a chance of, of a comeback in any case, I think in in this particular scenario with four away goals, it's almost zero percent. So I think it's just for us to go and not concede more goals and make it even more embarrassing. Just vibes. What's uh, <laughs> what's interesting about that uh, the position <laughs> of that picture is uh, how like I think uh, Barca were in a good form. I think was it like an eight game unbeaten streak. Yeah, we were. I think eight, yeah, eight or nine game. I mean, we were actually on yeah. a good, decent amount of form. Yeah, uh, and, and there was some hope that something could happen in the game, like at least not an embarrassing defeat, and embarrassing defeat it was. So, uh, yeah. what, what's like the what's like wrong with this Barcelona team right now? I mean, one thing to start off with is I think Gomez did a good job with the, the attack yeah. and how it's like fluid right now. Uh, but one thing that needs solving is defense, and your injuries to your centre backs have not made things any easier. Yeah. So is that? Um, would you say that's like the main issue right now? I mean, yeah, sure, sure. Injuries. You know, we, we brought in two players like Dest and PK who hadn't played for a while. I think that was a big mistake. We should have probably not have. We shouldn't have played them since they had just come back from injury. Uh, but apart from that, I think you can't really blame Kuman. I think the entire team just sort of disappeared on one of the biggest games of the past season. We were building up slowly. Yes, we lost against Sevilla, which is not a great performance as well. But I don't know, like the, the, the build up to the game, like the, we had some hope, but like we just we just disappeared. That midfield was non-existent. Uh, I don't think Sergio Busquets touched the ball more than five times in the game. Uh, and then yeah, I mean Pedri is like he's really young and he's obviously if he lacks physicality, you can't expect him to perform that well on a, like on such a big stage. So yeah, I mean no one really performed. Uh, and if you think about it, when we were 1-0 up, 
Dembele, Dembele missed another chance that could have, you know, changed the game and put us 2-0 up. And 2-0 up, you know, that might change the game entirely. So, yeah, another another game, another, you know, what could have happened, but it is what it is. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. So, what do, you, what, what do you say your aspirations to the league are this season? Um, so, so we just won against Sevilla um, a few an, an hour back. Uh, an hour back recording this. Recording this. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, I, I still think Atletico will, will probably will probably win. Yes, they lost to Chelsea and people, and they had draw points against uh, uh, who, who did, against Granada, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, they. they a small blip, but I still feel that they, they'll win the league. I don't see it. We're, we're too inconsistent to, to win the league, in my opinion. So, and Copa del Rey as well. We're 2-0 uh, down in the first leg against Sevilla. So, <laughs> I'm thinking maybe another trophy last season, to be honest. <laughs> well, for Barcelona, that's a bit of a letdown. But uh, since you brought up the Atletico game, uh, why don't we segue on to that? Uh, obviously, the mighty Blues, Tommy T is tricky and uh, tenacious Blues have grueled out a result against the possible champions of Spain uh, this season. Um, I did watch the game. It was the most boring game I think I might have ever seen this season. Uh, but, you know, we came away with the result and the goal was amazing. So, I'll take that any day of the week. It was actually a very good result at the end. Uh, a 1-0 away goal. Um, what do you guys think about the results, actually? Shiv, why don't you Salo, because uh, United do face Chelsea soon, and uh, would love to hear. I, I feel like Tuchel just got everything right, like what he wanted to do. Because he like Chelsea, uh, once they got that one goal, you could see they were comfortable with maintaining it for the moment. Like they knew they couldn't go overboard, and they were just happy to settle with that one away goal. More importantly, that usually Atletico. Never concede at home. So once Chelsea got the one goal, they were happy to just sit back and prevent themselves from being at a disadvantage or like, or even at the equal ground while going while going back to Stamford Bridge. So now like, oh, that that goal was like, oh, like it's, it's, it's something just Giroud is produced out of nowhere. But yeah, it, it got the job done. I mean, a one 0 win, going back home. Away goal is always crucial, but like again, Chelsea have to be very careful because one nil lead is very dangerous. It can sway any way of the tide. Like, but like think like think about how zero scored that day. I want to ask you something, Sarah. Who would you prefer as being the number nine or like the main striker of the team? Is it Tammy I mean, or Werner? I think I mentioned this before, but uh, I think as terms of like output. Giroud probably gets the most, the most goals up front. But in terms of who makes the overall team better, that's 100% Tammy Abraham. It's just that with this new system, I don't know. He's not that, he's not been that bad, honestly. He's just been, for some reason, he's not rated well by the new coaching staff. And I think that's a bit sad because there's been links move, like about him not wanting to sign a new contract right now. So even though it doesn't make any difference, I guess, because uh, it seems like he might be headed out the door, I would still say it's Tammy Abraham. He's very underrated. He he has, like, the second most... No, he has the most number of Premier League goals for us in, like, most of them being sub uh, sub substitution minutes and, uh, well, like, not as many starts as Giroud or Werner. So I don't know. But, you know, I guess 
as far as if the results keep coming, then sure, that's all I can say at the moment. As far as the game, uh, I think the in-game manage like uh, management in terms of like how he managed the game was incredible. Subs were on the right time and all the right subs as well. Uh, and it was just incredibly well, like just carried out till the end. That one nil stays with us. And I actually agree that the one nil is not a big advantage, but it's still, it's a big morale booster and it's still an away goal. So I guess it's time to go to Stamford Bridge and lock up shop. Uh, anybody else? Any other comments? I just wanted to pivot slightly on uh, on Giroud actually, and I remember seeing seeing this on on Twitter. Someone said that the Olivier Giroud is the most overrated, underrated striker in the Prem because every time he scores a goal, everyone says that he's the most underrated striker, which definitely makes him overrated. And I I feel the same way that sometimes he doesn't really do much in the game, but then he pops up with a goal out of nowhere. Like, you know, the bicycle kick that day, that scorpion kick when he played for Arsenal. Um, yeah, he's a pure target man in that sense. You're not really going to... In the modern game, when you want your strikers being good on the ball, linking up yeah. play really well, uh, he does that. But he does that, like, in the front of the pitch. Like, you you ping a ball over to him, he hold it up to you and he lay it off. And that's where his best abilities lie. But he's not good on the ball. And I think in that sense, Tammy Abraham, he does that. He's really good on the ball. He's really quick. Yes, he's lanky, he's, he's stumbles a lot and he's not as clinical, but he makes the whole team better. And yeah, I, I, I guess that's where Giroud's faults lie, that he can't do much more for a team. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess uh, that was all that we have this time to talk about the Atletico game. But let's pivot on to a, 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 a blockbuster game this weekend. Uh, it's Chelsea versus Man United. Uh, very important game for Chelsea. If we win, we go top four again. We lost that position out to West Ham last weekend, uh, drawing to Southampton. Uh, for United, I don't know if this is an important game or not. Seeing, well, do you, is there any hopes for a title push from United still? I mean, yeah, uh, title push is still. It, 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 I would say it's out of the question right now, because. To anyone, is still coming. <laughs> yeah, but again, like we need to secure second position because Leicester are still equal on points, and uh, it's always and with like they're chasing back. Basically, if Chelsea win tomorrow, I think Chelsea are only three points off. If Chelsea win, four points. Yeah, three. Oh, tomorrow, yeah. If you win tomorrow, it's three points off. Yeah. Yeah. So again, again, that becomes like a close battle, and then. Uh, you know, like the mighty West Ham are also close by over there. So, it becomes a hard push for top four. Like, uh, uh, of course, you, like, you think it's a title drive and then, again, it, it slips into a top four challenge. And at one point, you have to, like, think, is top four important or, you know, are you trying to hit way too above your limit in trying to catch uh, yeah, I'll be, teams that's... I'll be honest... As far as the United team goes, I feel like they've reached their ceiling. And the best that they can do this season is second place. Uh, I don't know if anybody else resonates with that opinion. Yeah, same, 100%. I, 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 don't, I think you're right. They definitely reached the ceiling with that second place that, or that, that period of time when they were top of the table. Yeah, I don't see them going about that. Chip, do you think... Uh, so you, you do agree that this is now it, it's it's on the verge of a <laughs> from a tight challenge to a top four challenge. 
ഗോൾ back post header that was considered but like somehow some foul was given and then some the hair either pulling in two or three saves or something like that so i don't feel like united are convincing in any sort of way i mean man city were given a challenge like by west ham they uh, you know man city like i would honestly say west ham deserved the point but at least you share the point but you just say that city were on most weeks really convincing to, and very consistent to an extent whereas united like especially at home seem to struggle a lot this season yeah i'd highlight on the point shivkumar just said about consistency i think not just united with like the whole premier league that's there right now the thing that's lacking is consistency like city right now yes the last 20 games unbeaten whatever but at the start as well when they they didn't have consistency as well you could see how far they had gone they lost to tottenham lost to leicester so the main thing right now technical difficulties guys oh keep going yes for the five people watching i'm sorry but <laughs> yeah so the main thing i see right now is just consistency if like united can get a certain level and they stick with that because we've seen it at the starting of the season we've seen it at the ending of last season that when they are on song they could be a really good team but it's just the problem is they don't stay with that level well there'll be some games where we saw winning scoring nine goals this season you know so and that same team stays uh is not consistent i do agree with that sentiment of the bit uh it's even if they find consistency now it's about maintaining that consistency and catching up there's like a quite a few point differential and i don't see many places where united can catch up especially in the form that city are in right now but who knows with this season <laughs> everything is unpredictable so we shall see uh before we move into the obvious direction that this conversation seems to be heading in and i think we all know what that is uh i am set forward a uh, setting forward a question to you boys uh scoreline predictions for chelsea city united game it is in stamford bridge even though that does not matter <laughs> Let's start off with the neutrals first. I'm saying nil, nil. Okay, that follows yeah, with every big game this season. Okay, one nil Chelsea. I'm gonna Ooh. say, I'm gonna say, one nil Chelsea as well. I, I, I don't know. After talking to the the lads, I feel more confident about the game. I don't know. Uh, we might lose though, seeing as this is the only game I've predicted to that we have that we should win since two games took over. So we shall see how that goes. All right now yeah the Saram Jinx feels then the real listeners of the podcast with no OG listeners <laughs> All right so uh I guess we might as well continue with the title of this conversation and uh 
let's head to the other side of Manchester and see what's going on there. And what's going on there is a lot of good things. City have a real chance of winning the quadruple this season. What do you think about the chances of that, Rashid? Uh, I'm not going to lie. I don't like this talk, you know. Like, every time City go in, like, you know, a good patch, it's just quadruple time, quadruple time, quadruple time. We haven't even yeah, won but... the Carabao Cup this year, okay? Let, let that get over. <laughs> let, let, let's get, like, the one trophy we always win every year. You know, let's see over there. <laughs> we keep talking about the quadruple, quadruple, and then we lose to Lyon, you know. So, I'm not going to say anything this year. I'm uh, Last year broke me. You know, last year was a chance. The last year, I thought, you know, we had a good chance for the Champions League. We beat Real Madrid, lost to Lyon. So, until until we reach the final of all four trophies, I'm not going to say anything. You know, that's fair enough. Uh, seeing City's history in the Champions League, that's a fair assessment. But I do think that the, the talk is valid, seeing as though uh, City are probably the best team in Europe right now. Like, even better than Bayern, I'd say. Uh, definitely the best team in England. I mean, that's sure. Uh, and there is a real shout there to win all four trophies. Uh, but what's what? Why do we think has been like the the reason for this upturn in form from City? Ruben Diaz. That's a good assessment. Uh, that's a, <laughs> just just one name. I think even good. Don't, don't like, forget. Oh, don't forget stones. Sure. You know, prime prime yeah, stones. stones at the back. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> stones. And, and yes. Joao Cancelo as well. He's been Joao insane. Phil Foden becoming prime Messi. You know. What is no Stockport Iniesta? The what they call Iniesta. That's fair. That's fair. Ah, but Rashid, what's the main difference that you've seen from the city of the Southern season that? Well, they weren't really outside the shots or even making top four by a lot of people, which seems very, uh, very stupid now. But from that team to this team that's conceded seven goals in 20 games and won all of those 20 games. Uh, obviously, it's the defense, right? The How we've stayed consistent at the back. Because at the starting, we were... Unbelievably shaky. We scored. We conceded five against Leicester. Yes, a lot of them were penalties, but it was still. City just had that feeling, like you know, you just need one attack against them, and they're probably going to crack. Our defense was very shaky in that way, and now you see that City, no matter what, they'll be one nil up, and then they're pretty comfortable with it. They don't see like this is the difference between you know you could say 17, 18, 18, 19, or even now. It's like back then, City depended on like. We're going to score like five goals today. We might concede two, three, but we're going to score five. We're going to score six. Now, City have like a one nil up. They could score like there are a lot of games where we won, where we scored the first goal within the five, first five minutes. And then the next 85 minutes, we just, you know, knock the ball around. And, you know, we, it's just. Sorry, wait. I just want to interrupt you to say Arsenal. It's just really Arsenal. comfortable. They, they are in this position where they're really comfortable to not concede anything at the back. So I think that's the main difference. They're just really uh, comfortable with the ball. They can keep knocking it around without having the pressure of we might lose the ball and concede. Yeah, but one thing that you know was a big talking point as well is chance generation at the start. So uh, I remember uh, bringing up the stat like in a previous episode where I mentioned that City have not created uh, uh, an expected goals of more than two in a game uh, in that in the season. Till I don't remember what game, but it was like first five or six games it was like that, and the chance generation was a little bit shaky. So. What's the difference there? Obviously, the defense is like a very determining factor in city success right now, but chance generation is as important. And city are scoring goals for fun. Is that a valid assessment I can make right now? 
Uh, I guess so. Uh, I feel like they're just a little bit more convincing with the way they attack, right? Uh, the last time, yes, the difference between at the start of the season and we won 1-0 compared to like winning 1-0 now is that uh, the goal that we probably scored at that time was, I don't know, really like out of the blue. We weren't probably looking for the goal or we somehow got it. Whereas now you expect City to score more goals even though they've scored only that one. So, I think the main difference right now is uh, when they're attacking, they're pretty convincing with what they want to do. They have like a clear state of mind with like, this is how I want to knock the ball around. You see them going from one side to another side, which we've done a lot over the years. But this year also, we've utilized the wings very well. Uh, Phil Foden, obviously, has been a great talent. We've uh, seen it for years now. And finally, he's having his breakout season. And Ilkay Gundogan also with uh, Kevin De Bruyne gone, really stepped up and, you know, like you said in the group, unlocked his Frank Lampard gene. <laughs> so, <laughs> a lot of things went well and it could just get better right now. Obviously, Aguero's back. You know, had a smile on my face today. Jesus is <laughs> starting after a year. Even though he came on at the 60th minute and was offside after two minutes, it's fine. We're getting there soon. So, I think it's just the ways where we're clear with what we want to do up in the front. Everyone's looking into finding those spaces. That's why Gundogan has been so well. Is He's not in a particular position. You'll just see him trying to look for some space. Someone crosses the ball and he's just there somehow. You won't know why he's there. Edison's shooting the ball. Gundogan's somehow there. <laughs> just trying to find, they're just trying to find these gaps right now to exploit. And that's what's been so... Uh, that's what's worked so well for them, I'd say. I, yeah, I guess it's a fair way of summarizing, I guess. Uh, I think one thing that I'd like to point out is, uh, this is what Pep said in an interview as well, that uh, now City are more confident and uh, what they were doing at the start of the season was they were running a lot. Whereas with Pep's system, it's a lot about, it's not a lot about movement of players as much as most players, uh, movement of the ball and positioning. And I think now that they're more trusted, put their faith into the system and they've bought into the system and then he's molded the player as well. And now we're seeing the effects of that in like their play and it's just incredible football, <laughs> incredible results and maybe incredible success for the club this year, which might pain me a little bit, but you know, it's okay. Uh, but I think that's going to wrap up this episode. Uh, we kind of highlighted every single one of our clubs because, you know, uh, it's been two months and we just wanted to keep this live for now. Uh, but we will be back with more, uh, I, I'd like to say weekly content, more better uh, like listening podcast content as well. Uh, but thank you guys for joining us for this episode. I am your co-host, Sairam, with other co-hosts, Shiv Kumar, Shresh, and Rashid. Uh, please like, subscribe, wherever you're watching, follow us, share with your friends. We are back. And that's going to be it. Goodbye.